Jennifer Aniston shares her infertility journey, Ticketmaster creates chaos for Taylor Swift, and what are the Nepo babies denying now? We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wandri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So we took a little sick break last week, Jazz. I mean, none of us were physically ill, but we took a little nap time instead of recording. Yeah, it was nice to listen to our bodies and know that we're our own bosses when it comes to the podcast and um, yeah, lay in bed all Sunday afternoon. What a treat. But Mm. back and ready to go. I'm really excited for this episode. There's some juicy stuff. I was going to say the pop culture gods really looked favorably upon Mm. our podcast. They're like, you know what? Culture Club just had a break. We need to give them all the ammunition they deserve. So we honestly do have a jam-packed episode today, starting off with the girl boss of all girl bosses, Elizabeth Holmes, has been sentenced to over 11 years in jail. (laughs) Sorry, the way you said that. Sounds like I'm doing a raffle ticket announcement. Yeah, yeah, crazy that it's finally kind of all come to an end. So the founder of Theranos, which is the failed blood testing startup that was once valued at more than $13 billion, was sentenced on three counts of investor fraud and one count of conspiracy. Now we are like, we're not crime fans. I say we're not true crime fans. No. We're not really into like fraudsters. Like I don't. What's that guy? The like um, the the, the Tinder the, swindler. Yeah, that's it. I'm like the app or something. Yeah, like I don't know. I just don't follow many scammers myself. But the um Elizabeth Holmes one really like captured me. I remember in lockdown, mm-hmm. I listened to the whole podcast. Like, I like binge the podcast, yes. the Dropout, which is like the American ABC um kind of podcast documentary of what happened and you and I have both fangirled over the Amanda Seyfried um, HBO series like dramatization of this story I think it's such a fascinating story right oh completely I'm with you there not really a scam girl myself but this story really hooked us in Mm. and I think it was just um really incredible in a devastating way to see like the massive impact that Elizabeth Holmes had on so many people um and yeah we love that tv show it was so good anyway so she was in court last week and this is what she said about the result of her sentencing quote I am devastated by my failings every day for the past years I have felt deep pain for what people went through because I failed them I regret my failings with every cell of my body does that make like the fact she's now being sentenced to jail and like she said that, does that make you feel any differently towards her? I actually feel shocked that she's been sentenced for quite some time mm. only because, not that I don't find, I, I do think she's guilty. Like I think I do think she's like the mastermind um, behind all of this. But the thing is like we don't really see real life consequences for these scammers like to this degree, I feel. So I think of Anna Delvey, right? So she had her TV show 
um, with Netflix and she was reportedly paid $461,000 for the rights of her story. And now like she's been released from jail in October um, on a 10,000 bail bond. Um, Yes, she has 24 hour confinement inside her very nice apartment and she does have like an electronic monitoring bracelet on but you know um there was this interview that she had with sydney morning herald with thomas mitchell which is the husband of our co-worker <laughs> and anna look, talks about you know oh she hasn't cooked a single meal in that month because she just been relying on really re- delivery services and you know now she's starting an art business and she's selling her prints like so it's what? like she's in lockdown basically like uh, yeah she can still have like all these luxuries delivered to her in her apartment and she's like in lockdown but uh, did you see the evening standard magazine in the uk what did the, they do the evening standard it's like a it's like a newspaper with like a glossy pull out kind of thing and i was so shocked because like in october they did this like high fashion shoot with anna delvey after being out of prison with like the electronic bracelet but she's wearing yeah. like designer heels with it i'll send you the link and we can maybe post the photos um but yeah, I remember being like, is this glorifying a criminal? Like, yeah. And I just, it was so like, it was giving like white feminism to me, I think. It was like, or like giving girl boss. It felt really dated. It's like, think what you want about Anna Delvey, whether she's, it's like, yes, like, fuck the rich, you should like play the game kind of vibes. Or it's like, she frauded people, like, she stole money. And she committed a crime. And now because she's like white, she has like heiress princess vibes. Mm. Um, she has a Netflix show now and she's slim and pretty. Like she's on the cover of magazines and like she's like an icon. And I think if it was a person of color or mm. someone different to that demographic, then she wouldn't be getting all this publicity afterwards. Well, it's so interesting because it doesn't really feel like she's regretful of her actions, Anna, I'm talking about, because, you know, she's kind of flaunting her wealth and going about her business. Um, But you talking about that just reminded me that only like very recently this year, Rachel Bilson was like one of the victims of the bling ring scandal Mm. and she actually had one of the robbers on her I'm just going to call them robbers I don't know that's proper but like she had one of them on her podcast and they had like a full-on like on-air apology and the people were like super regretful um yeah so it's like okay interesting that's kind of interesting to to counter that yeah so I didn't actually think that Elizabeth Holmes would serve any time in physical jail mm. and I don't think she did either hence why mm. she had this baby like if you recall she had a baby like a year ago and was like breastfeeding in court and people were like this is like okay she probably wanted a baby she's like mid-30s like if you want a baby you kind of have to start thinking about it more seriously at that age but um people were also like this is a, a ploy like this is so that she's seen as a mother it's like oh you're separating a mother and a child so maybe like that would have taken the edge of her sentencing. But 11 years is pretty full on. Imagine what the world will be like in 11 years. Oh, God. I wouldn't be surprised if she is let out on one of those like good behavior jail release bonds or something of the sort. But I do think that this sentencing is kind of like a big statement to put out in terms of to all the like little scammers out there being like hey you actually might be caught out and hey you might 
have to pay consequences for your actions. Emma Ratajkowski and Pete Davidson have been snapped together, sparking dating rumors. But how legit is this? I feel like it's such a meme these days of Pete Davidson dating everyone. Um, what did you think? He honestly, I feel like, only comes out of hibernation when he like he's got like a new woman on his arm. Yeah. Um. So I totally think that this is like a PR couple, surely. But let's talk about it. What are your initial thoughts? Honestly, my initial thoughts are like, oh, I'm so, like, I don't know, indifferent towards it now. I feel like I've loved Pete Davidson since like 2018 when he was with Ariana and like that whole, mm. that big dick energy was like such a moment in like pop culture. Um, and I really like, like his comedy. I think it's really fun that he's just like some regular guy from New York who, you know, single mom, family, all this stuff. And um, he's now, like, dating all these famous women. I do think there is, like, a lot of double standards with his dating. People are like, oh, mm. he's such a player, like, fucking classic Pete. Of course he's yeah. dating, um, you know, Kim Kardashian and Emily Ratajkowski. Whereas if a woman did that, it would be like, you know, what a slut basically. And people do oh, say that he's, like, slutty vibes, but it's different and we know why. So we don't need to get into, like, patriarchy. <laughs> so in the pap photos, the pair of – matching in black puffer jackets, white t-shirts and grey sweatpants and apparently meeting to celebrate Pete's 29th birthday. Why did I think he was older than that? That's weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like he's kind of like a like a vampire, not because he's like pale and stuff, like because he kind of looks like he's been around for a while. Does that make sense? He's got Crohn's disease. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I said it's not because he looks pale, but like the vibes he gives off. <gasps> okay. I would like people to know. <laughs> like, um, he has really dark bags under his eyes. No. Oh. I'm sorry, Pete. But we're going to continue. <laughs> but, yeah, so we saw these photos, but there was also a video of this situation that unfolded, and that made me feel like, okay, this looks super staged, um, and other people on the internet have been, like, picking it apart. We'll just actually play a video from TikTok user Culture Work who like walks through the scene play by play so you can get like a full picture. <laughs> video starts with Pete parking the street, peeping through his finger, no photos, head down, no photo. Emily's on the curb waiting for this camera to pan to her like someone yelled action. She walks to the back, not even towards his car, like serves a look to this photographer here and then goes back to the curb. Pete drives off. She's checking her phone, being like, okay, we got the shots, we got the shot. Mind you, he was supposed to pick her up in this little moment. She gets her own car to Brooklyn, slight look as she closes the door. Of course, the car needs to park far enough for her to walk a little bit. Pete doesn't have a buzzer, I guess, so he's down in the lobby waiting for her. Backbrid, who is there waiting, can shoot them through the window. A little hug. Pete serves some face towards the window and then puts a hoodie up and goes inside. I'm giving the acting here like a three. Anyway, the entire photo set's also unhinged. Like here's her like serving that look to that photographer again, like smizing out to the street and then right back to the curb. Good side, good angles. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Jazz, like why now is this kind of PR or perhaps real relationship coming out? Because do you remember when Emrata first kind of like announced or like the news broke that she was getting a divorce? People were like, oh my gosh, she's going to be caught with pete davidson mm. very soon do you remember that mm -hmm. yeah because we spoke about it like two months ago yeah <laughs> but yeah um i think that emily 
is famous enough to not need a PR boyfriend. Mm. Like, why would she? I feel like she's really big at the moment. And, you know, she has this new podcast, The Hilo with Emirata, which has had very mixed reviews. And we also already spoke about the fact that she stole that name from Dolly and Pandora. But, um, yes, yeah, I've also seen her kind of her videos getting ripped apart on TikTok. Mm. Have you seen yeah, that? I know. Yeah. Her There's podcast a- videos and stuff. Yeah, um, I've actually listened to some of her podcast and God, like their video episode with the call her daddy host was That's like it. so painful to listen to. Like, don't. But then I like enjoyed her conversation with Julia Fox because I find Julia okay. very interesting. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm just, I'm just confused. I do think M. Ryder is in some sort of like content era and she's getting her name out there. Cause you're right. Mm. Like, okay. Obviously she's like a massive global celebrity, mm. but she's still like an Instagram slash fashion. She's in the like Instagram and fashion world. Like, I don't know if regular Joes do know her as much, but mm. having her associate with more mainstream people, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where she goes from here, but I think it's like, not helpful to be like what is this man like getting by oh like what is this woman gaining from being associated by this man Mm. when it's like she's in her own bag maybe they're just dating for fun which like Actress Jennifer Aniston has been featured on the last ever print cover of Allure magazine in the US. So Jennifer was pictured in a Chanel bikini style top, a Gucci whale tail thong and some very 2003 style Dior skater pants. Um, And she also had this like glorious long straightened hair on as well. Mm -hmm. But the most covered part of the article which is a week old so everyone listening is probably already across it but I feel like it was it's still important to talk about anyway um it was when Jennifer shared that she struggled with infertility and spent many years trying to fall pregnant through IVF Jennifer said it was a challenging road for me the baby making road all the years and years and years of speculation it was really hard I was going through IVF drinking Chinese teas you name it I was throwing everything at it. I would have given anything if someone had said to me, freeze your eggs, do yourself a favor. You just don't think it. So here I am today. The ship has sailed. So Jennifer is now 53 um, and in the interview she also did talk about the plus side to her hardship, explaining that, quote, if it wasn't for going through that, I would have never become who I was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of added that some people presumed that she had prioritized her career over motherhood. And she said to that, quote, I just cared about my career and God forbid a woman is successful and doesn't have a child. And I think that's why the tabloids and the media back in the day were going after her so much because like, and not going after her, they were like just speculating on whether she's pregnant, does she want a family, oh, childless Jen while Angelina and Brad have like five kids together that must have been so hard to see because if people weren't aware um Jennifer was married to actor Brad Pitt she married him in 2000 and they got divorced in 2005 after he met Angelina Jolie on the set of a movie they obviously went on to have a very long you know 15-ish year marriage and they had six kids together 
And then Jennifer went on to marry actor Justin Thoreau from 2015 to 2017, but they were dating for a number of years together. And I don't know about you, but I remember like in the 2000s, like mid to late 2000s, seeing those tabloids like in the yeah. like news agency or at the supermarket aisle. And like, I swear, like Jennifer Aniston and like about her fertility and like, is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Is she trying to get pregnant? Whatever. We're always on the cover, like all the time. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I feel like they, like the, you, as you were saying that, I'm like, yes, I see the pictures popping up in mm. my head. They're, and they, it's so interesting how the narrative changes from like, okay, like, like, oh, is that a baby bump to, oh my God, like why isn't she giving him a baby? Or yeah. like, like, you know, she doesn't want to become a mother. Like all these like stories yeah. that women are always told have just been like pushed onto her for so many years. Like imagine how tiring that is, especially now that she's spoken out about her personal struggles. I really hope the people who wrote those like tabloid covers and headlines and like I know everyone has a job to do and like, you know, you and I work in media, but like that type of trashy, like speculative journalism in quote marks. I'm like, I kind of hope they feel guilty for that. Like imagine that's like your career for like 10 years is just like hounding this woman if she has if she's having a kid or not. And then you see that, you'd be like, oh, like <laughs> yeah. shit, right? And that's, I think, why it's so important that she's spoken out. And I kind of want to be like, oh, we're so much better these days. We don't do this. But I can't help but think of just like about a week ago as well, Rebel Wilson uh, welcomed a baby into the world through IVF, um, which is really beautiful. She shared that um, with her partner. But then she bloody just went, Rebel, went to like a celebrity's birthday party and she got slammed for that, being like, oh, my God, like why are you leaving a baby at home? And going to a party <laughs> like people were literally saying that online so I think just like the constant vitriol towards mothers or mm-hmm. not even mothers just people um mm-hmm. if they do or don't have a child is just non-stop and I can't literally. like like what like uh, that's scary that's that's a lot yeah and Jennifer's kind of mentioned that she said I've spent so many years protecting my story about IVF I feel like I'm coming out of hibernation I don't have anything to hide bless her and I think it's so important for women to talk about these fertility struggles and like she said like if people were more open about fertility like 20 years ago um when she was trying to like or thinking about having IVF and stuff then maybe she like she said she would have frozen her eggs earlier or like and she not everyone can do that like it's but she's obviously in a very privileged position to be able to have afforded that so I think it's important of her to be like I'm glad that I uh no I'm glad sorry I think it's important that she said I wish someone had said that because now she's the one coming out and saying like yeah it's it is harder to get pregnant in your like late 30s 40s It's been a roller coaster of a month for Taylor Swift. After her album Midnight's broke and is still breaking multiple records, Taylor announced a 52-date US tour earlier this month. So the Eras tour is set to kick off in March 2023 in Arizona and will hit a number of cities across the US before finishing in LA in August. But yeah, when Taylor announced this tour, 
the internet went in overdrive. The internet mm-hmm. was in overdrive, right? Like our Twitters were full of like people being like, we even posted them like, you know, selling my organs for this mm-hmm. ticket or like, you know, crying baby on fire in the background. Don't worry, darling, yeah. mommy's just like saving up <laughs> on Taylor Swift tickets. So we all knew it was going to be hard to get these tickets. But after a chaotic pre-sale, Ticketmaster has ended up literally cancelling general sale of the tickets for the rest of the tour simply because they gave them all the way in the pre-sale. This is such a crazy story. And Ticketmaster tweeted on November 18, due to extraordinarily high demands on ticketing systems and insufficient remaining ticket inventory to meet that demand, tomorrow's public on sale for Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, has been cancelled. When I read that tweet, I was like, oh, they fucked up so badly the whole tour is cancelled. I remember I sent you, I sent to you, I was like, what the Mm. fuck? But rereading it, it's like, oh, okay. So like the people who got pre-sale, maybe if you were lucky you got tickets, but the people who didn't have any codes or anything like that, they weren't a member of like a verified fan program. They just missed out. I saw so many TikToks of poor people like crying like they because they just didn't get the tickets. And of course, there are some tickets being resold at like literally for literally like tens of thousands of dollars which is honestly just ridiculous but what can I say I'm not overly surprised I am a hater of Ticketmaster I feel like their ticket systeming is always just terrible like I have been like waiting for hours in a line they always add like extra charges I've just had so many problems with this bloody platform system mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of what's been called into focus here, I think. So part of Ticketmaster's online sales system, like, just crashed. And then there were delays for fans who accessed the site, but then they were left waiting for hours. And then I saw some things on TikTok where people were, like, literally waiting in the line for six hours, like, had their computer yeah. and whatever. And they got to the front and they were, like, filming themselves, like, getting let in, you know, to the website, yeah. whatever. And then it's like, sorry, there was an error. And they're just, their faces, like, it's so sad to watch. Hey, 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 hey. It's called the Errors Tour, but it should be called, like, the Error, like, E-R-R-O-R Tour. Wait, that would work as a tweet because it's, like, it's a, written, it's a written gag. Sorry, guys, if you didn't get that one. <laughs> oh, my God, that was such a dad joke. <laughs> you love a good dad-esque joke. I ah, do, I do. Anyway, but Ticketmaster ended up saying that 2 million tickets were actually sold um, through the pre-sale program on Tuesday, apparently the most ever sold on the platform in a single day. And even people with codes were left empty-handed when the site crashed. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. So basically people rearranged their schedules for these pre-sales only to be locked out until the public sale. So they're like, oh, that's right. I missed out on pre-sale, but I'll get it in the public sale the next day or two days mm-hmm. later on the 18th. And then Ticketmaster at 7 a.m. was like, yeah, we're canceling all these public tickets that were meant to go mm. on sale due to insufficient ticket inventory. So basically Ticketmaster was fucked up. Here. Like they're the ones who like obviously did something wrong and like released all the tickets in pre-sale. And obviously like millions and millions and millions of fans wanted them. So that of course they got snapped up. But now, yes, yeah, sadly, 
like this program is meant to deter the bots and the scalpers allowing the tickets to go to like true fans but like Max, you said, tickets are already being resold on sites like StubHub, which is very American, for up to twenty thousand like US dollars. I've seen someone on TikTok that are like fifty thousand dollars for a ticket. It's so disgusting. It's so awful. It's so awful because at the end of the day, it's majority women who mm-hmm. really just love Taylor Swift's music and it's like it should be something that's joyful I don't know like seeing one of your favorite artists live etc but it's been so mired in so much controversy but one kind of I don't know if I want to call it a silver lining but yeah like a silver lining out of this is that people are really scrutinizing Ticketmaster mm-hmm. and platforms like this and that's been kind of put under a microscope Yeah, even Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, Daily reminder that Ticketmaster is a monopoly. Its merger with Live Nation should never have been approved and they need to be reined in. They need to break up. Completely. Okay, so I was actually thinking about like doing an article on this or something. It's not my beat. But it's like I want to say that I think tech is in its flop era. So obviously seeing the downfall of Twitter, we've seen Deliveroo leave Australia, we've seen Ticketmaster continually fuck up, like we're seeing all this crap and it's just like, okay, how can we actually improve this system? And I love that Taylor Swift fans are being like radicalized. There's like yeah. some TikToks about that, didn't you see? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like Taylor Swift um fans like gaining class consciousness because this yeah. Ticketmaster thing is like the most incredible thing or something. Completely. And I think it's doing something in terms of breaking down the parasocial relationship mm. hold that she has on fans as well. I was talking to somebody the other day when we were talking about the situation and one of the first things that they said was like, oh, this was before Taylor Swift had made a statement, but they mm-hmm. were like, I wish Taylor would actually do something here. Yeah. Like I wish like she would step up here. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen so many fans turning on Taylor, people like in comment section reminding the like op that it's that she's a brand and a business and it's also bringing back up the whole um private jet like news that broke earlier this year that we spoke about um people being like bestie remember she's like the one who's rented out her jet and like just private jets around like the world the worst polluter etc so yeah it's been very very interesting to watch but a lot of there was a lot of anger that taylor didn't say anything but a couple of days later she did address the ticket shortage and the drama on her instagram story so she wrote well it goes without saying that i'm extremely protective of my fans we've been doing this for decades together and over the years i've brought so many elements of my career in-house i've done this specifically to improve the quality of my fans experience but doing it myself with my team who care as much about my fans as i do it's really difficult for me to trust an outside entity with these relationships and loyalties and excruciating for me to just watch mistakes happen with no recourse there are a multitude of reasons why people had such a hard time trying to get tickets and I'm trying to figure out how this situation can be improved moving forward. I'm not going to make excuses for anyone because we asked them multiple times if they could handle this kind of demand and we were assured they could. It's truly amazing that 2.4 million people got tickets but it really pisses me off that a lot of them feel like they went through several bear attacks to get them. And to those who didn't get tickets, all I can say is that my hope is to provide more opportunities for us all to get together and sing these songs. 
Thank you for wanting to be there. You have no idea how much that means. So what did you make of Taylor Swift's statement? I mean, I'm actually really mixed. I I don't really have a firm opinion on it just because obviously in it, she's very blamey towards Ticketmaster. And as someone who is very frustrated at that platform I, I tend to agree with her but I wonder like but she is very much just like shifting the blame entirely onto somebody else like not from her like from her team or her own doing and I don't know what to make of it just because I'm like okay but what can she do in this situation exactly that's what I think I'm like people are like Taylor has to do something and it's like she's a musician like yes she's a very smart businesswoman she is very busy but like she's a musician she's not a tech like ceo she's not a software engineer um she's not a coder who like you know released the code that made the pre-sales you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like there would be thousands and thousands of yeah. people whose job it is is to like prevent this from happening taylor swift is the artist like I I think it's good she spoke out, but when people are like this is terrible, she has to do something. Yeah. It's like what's she gonna do? Like exactly. No. So yeah, I thought it was quite a good statement. Okay, cool. No, I see that too. And I also did see quite a few tweets from musicians talking about their experience as concert, like you know, putting on concerts, and they were like, you know, like these ticket companies, etc., like take so much like of our cut, mm-hmm. like they lie about prices and all this kind of like behind the scenes stuff that we just don't see. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's a lot of problems there as well. I feel like before this kind of thing, like this ticket debacle, Taylor Swift's reputation was on the ups, you know, Mm. like after that bloody, sorry, the private jet stuff, you know, then she released her Midnight's album and everyone was fawning over that. She's had a few bumps in the road, as we know, from like anti-hero music video, et cetera. But I want to know... Do you think that this will affect Taylor's reputation moving forward? I don't think so. I feel like like the same thing would happen if she did it. Like this was going to happen anyway, in my opinion. And I think mm. or there was going to be struggles. People were definitely going to miss out. Like it's crazy. But um, I don't think it will affect her reputation. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, neither. But I do hope that there's some sort of shakeup with this like Ticketmaster kind of problem because that's not going away anytime soon if there's one thing nepotism babies love it's denying that their success is a result of nepotism not one but three of our faves have spoken out about their nepo baby labels this week lily rose depp willow smith and zoe kravitz So if you didn't know, Lily Rose Depp is the child of Johnny Depp and musician Vanessa Paradis. Now she is 23 and a model and actress. She's going to be starring in an HBO series called The Idol, which is the one created by The Weeknd and Euphoria Sam Levinson, which stars Eve in Australia's own Troye Sivan. And judging from the trailers, it's all about sex, fame and drugs. And obviously because of this show, she's been doing heaps of press. So she did this big interview with LUS and there's like two main talking points from it, which we'll touch on today, which is about her dad's time in the spotlight recently and, of course, about nepotism. So in this interview, she opens up about why she's chosen to avoid commenting on the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation. Quote, When it's something that's so private and so personal that all of a sudden becomes not so personal, I feel really entitled to my secret garden of thoughts. 
I also think that I'm not here to answer for anybody and I feel like for a lot of my career, people have really wanted to define me by the men in my life, whether that's my family members or my boyfriends, whatever. And I'm really ready to be defined for the things that I put out there. That is what I was trying to say before about Emily Ratajkowski, but like she said that way more eloquently mm. than I did. Like I'm, I just don't like it when women are defined by the men. Like, oh, Em's dating Pete Davidson. What does that mean for her? Um, but going back to the Libra's Depp, I think that's such like a valid thing to say and a valid true. You and I barely wanted to comment on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard mm. situation because we're like, this is so like convoluted and heated and like dividing the internet. Like, I can't imagine. One, being in the private eye and being, like, the daughter of the person involved in something that's so global, like, everyone in the world is talking about this. So I think that's, like, a very fair answer. Completely, and I do think it was quite eloquent. As you said, I'm sure she's had to prepare a statement around that. You'd feel so much anxiety Mm. around having to answer to that. Um, But the main headlines coming out of the same interview, um, which was written by Veronique, Highland are about Lily's takes on nepotism. So here's how Veronique frames it. Quote, speaking of internet opinions, has she heard about the whole nepo baby conversation? She laughs dryly. I'm familiar. Depp sounds resigned to it, which is maybe all one can be in her situation. So Lily says, the internet seems to care a lot about that kind of stuff. People are going to have preconceived ideas about you or how you got there. And I can definitely say that nothing is going to get you the part except for being right for the part, she says. The internet cares a lot more about who your family is than the people who are casting you and things. Maybe you get your foot in the door, but you still just have your foot in the door. There's a lot of work that comes after that. She does find it interesting, however, that she rarely hears anyone refer to a man as a Nepo baby, which I don't agree with because I feel like the most famous Nepo baby at the moment is Brooklyn, Brooklyn Beckham. Beckham. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. I even saw you're a right. tweet that was like, um, every time like a Nepo baby discourse gets brought up, I have to remind everyone book. of <laughs> Brooklyn Beckham's photography book. So I feel like he's the poster child for nepotism babies. That's very true. Oh, my God. But his yeah. chef YouTube channel. Anyway. <laughs> so Lily continues, quote, it's weird to me to reduce somebody to the idea that they're only there because it's a generational thing. It just doesn't make any sense. If somebody's mom or dad is a doctor and then the kid becomes a doctor, they're not going to be like, well, you're only a doctor because your parent is a doctor. It's like, no, I went to medical school and trained. And then after that, she was quick to defend me, like, hey, I'm not in any way comparing acting to medi- like medical mm. school, but, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they do this to themselves, to be honest. In my opinion, I'm just like, <laughs> just embrace. I don't know. But then we, if we're like, oh, just embrace it, would we then be sitting here like, like I feel like most people would then be like, oh, she's so stuck up. Like she knows she only got this because of her daddy kind of vibe. So right. maybe it is a little bit of a catch-22 for these Nepo babies. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I do want to talk about that um, in full after we hear what like Zoe Kravitz mm-hmm. and Willow Smith have what, – what they have to say about it too. But I did find the internet discourse around Lily Rose Depp quite funny. Some tweets read, this one's by um, Gabrielle Sanchez. Now, Miss Lily Rose Depp, your father had roles in both of your first acting credits. You're not shutting down the Nepo baby allegations in the slightest. Another user said, 
Lily Rose Depp is complaining about people calling her a nepotism kid when she's 5'2 and walking for Chanel, LaMeo girl. She was 16 when she walked her first runway for Chanel and she had never had any experience doing (sighs) runway modeling before. Yes, that is so true. And like Lily Rose Depp's comments have started all this internet discourse, as you mentioned, but Diet Prada actually made a post recently um, that features an Instagram a kind of story screenshot from Italian model Vittoria Soretti. So the 24-year-old model is speaking up about the Nepo babies in her industry. So in the Instagram story, she writes, I bumped into an interview of a so-called Nepo baby or whatever y'all call it. Basically privileged daughter, son, cousin, niece, nephew, whatever of some kind of celebrity. Let me tell you something. Yes, I get the whole I'm here and I work hard for it, but I would really love to see if you would have lasted through the first five years of my career, not only being rejected, because I know you have an experience with it and you can tell me a sad little story about it, even if at the end of the day you can still always go cry on a dad's couch in your villa in Malibu, but how about not being able to pay for your flights back home to your family? Waiting hours to do a fitting casting just to see a Nepo baby walk past you from the warm seat of her, his Mercedes with her, his driver and her, his friend, assistant, agent, taking care of her, his mental health in caps. You have no fucking idea how much you have to fight to make people respect you. It takes years. You just get it by free day one. She ends, I have many Nepo baby friends whom I respect, but I can't stand listening to you compare yourself to me. I was not born on a comfy, sexy pillow with a view. I know it's not your fault, but please appreciate and know the place you came from. And I feel like that just sums it up so well, in my opinion. Like, you don't, you're not like, you don't choose which family you're born into. And I don't know, in the same way that you and I have taken every opportunity presented to us like you would do the same right like if you Mm -hmm. had these connections you wouldn't be like no I'm gonna go like isolate myself and cut myself off from my family so that I can get into the exact same industry to prove that I did it by myself like no one would ever do like you know what I mean yeah I mean I was gonna bring this one up I didn't save it unfortunately but I saw a TikTok uh, just this week of a trans woman who is a musician or an actress I forgot and um the whole video was like essentially like I have a big announcement to to make I am actually like a failed Nepo baby and they were talking about how um her family I think they're they're in like Hong Kong or or some East Asian place and apparently they're like a really wealthy and really like powerful family um and unfortunately her family were like oh, if you de-transition, we will, like, get you the recording contract. We will, like, you know, get you everything you want for your career. And she decided to, like, completely sever ties from her family. And it's, like, yeah, that's, yeah, really powerful and, like, tough. So if I can find that, we'll pop that in the show notes as well. So as we mentioned at the top of the segment, uh, in a recent interview with Rolling Stone, Willow Smith, who is Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith's, youngest daughter she said I don't focus on how other people feel about me if you love me amazing if you hate me fantastic that's none of my business I was put on this planet to be someone who uplifts the lives of people with my art and my words and that's it that's pretty much how I feel anyone can feel how they feel and I don't mind 
I know it's like a lot of nothing, but yeah. I also don't mind it. Like that last said, anyone can feel how they feel. I don't mind. So like perhaps she's okay with people, you know, calling her out for nepotism, et cetera. Or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it's because she's, I don't, I didn't see any, I didn't see any calling out of Willie Smith at all this week. Um, oh yeah. Not this week. No. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I guess in this statement at least she's, She's not like, I am like changing people's yeah. lives with my art because like I worked so hard and like no one knows how hard it is, you know, like she's kind of like, oh, I was put on this planet to uplift some people and I was lucky to be born. She didn't say this in words, but I was like lucky to be born in a family that like, can allow me to do that essentially is what she's saying. But what about Zoe Kravitz? Yeah, I'll summarize this. So she was interviewed for GQ recently and she told the writer that she, ever since she was a teenager, she has had this quote, deep insecurity about being in the entertainment industry because of course she's got very famous parents. But it was very interesting. She kind of like very much was very defensive and she was saying like you know it's completely normal for people to be in the family business quote it's literally where last names came from you were a blacksmith if your family was like the black family or smith um she also talks about how she's really proud of her family like her grandmother roxy rokers um was also on the jeffersons and obviously her parents are super successful so she never really acknowledged her privilege but was just like defensive about it i would i would Mm. argue and it's like yeah it's completely normal for people to be in the family business. And that's, I guess, what Lily Rose Depp's kind of argument is as well. Um, but I think there's deeper, like, societal responsibilities and implications of being wealthy, like, in that sense, and being a celebrity and, like, being in the public eye. I think that's different than being like, oh, I want to go to medical school because my dad's a doctor or I, um, I'm taking over the family farm because my parents are farmers like that's so different to being like I'm gonna walk the Chanel you know what I mean it's like <laughs> comparing apples and oranges in my opinion but yeah I mean like to get to your question that you put um earlier up in this segment of like you know like what do we actually want from Nebo mm. babies like how can they handle it like what that um model that we read from um Instagram story it's like have some accountability just like acknowledge it just be transparent like we all know that you like that nepotism actually helped you at the very least get you to where you are today and it's like why not just be able to say that with your chest it doesn't Mm -hmm. make you worse of an actress or a model Mm -hmm. it's just that's infuriating that they think that oh just like my good work got you there because that is completely not true and I think that's why people were calling out Brooklyn Beckham so hard to go back to the poster child. Do you remember the viral TikTok where there's that guy who's like, I I asked like people in really fancy sports cars what they do for a living and he asked Brooklyn Beckham in this like Maserati or something, oh, yeah, what do you do for a living? It's a sick car. And Brooklyn Beckham's like, I'm a chef. Yeah. He didn't say like, I'm a, sh- like, I'm a chef, whatever he says he is that month. But also I'm so lucky that, my dad is literally the one of the most famous soccer players in the world and my mother is a spice girl and a designer yeah. like it's honestly so annoying like uh it's like that you know false 
that false belief that like good work, hard work will get you places mm. kind of thing. And they just want to prove themselves in the industry. Yeah. And I think it just kind of feeds into that false belief that, you know, hard work will get you places. And I'm sure that, you know, what Zoe Kravitz said, like she does have deep insecurity about that. And like, so be it. Just, just admit it. I don't know. I just, it makes celebrities seem super out of touch and in their like bid to be relatable like oh yes I just worked as hard as everyone else to get here Mm -hmm. like it's really falling short Maggie who missed out on recommendations last week so what have you been watching reading listening to the last few weeks yes so um, I was traveling this week so I was in Sydney and when I travel alone like I need creature comforts I guess and I like having podcasts like keep me company when I'm alone so one that I only just started listening to this week is celebrity memoir book club and oh it is so good it's you know ah, I love it so much so essentially as the name suggests um, it is a podcast that's hosted by two New York comedians their names are Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton and each week they read a celebrity memoir and then like tell you about it and because of comedians it's funny but it's informative um, and it's a hoot because as Jazz will know I have big gaping black holes of knowledge in my pop culture like (laughs) database so this is really nice so it's kind of like homework but in a fun (laughs) way Um, and yeah they're just really great at distilling um, celebrities lives I've listened to a few at the moment I've listened to Tom Felton aka like Draco Malfoy Matthew Perry aka Mm. Chandler from Friends Constance Wu Victoria Beckham speaking of um and I'm listening oh and I am listening to Leah Michelle's one at the moment so yeah it's a really popular popular listen um and I think Culture Club fans will enjoy it. I feel like we've referenced their TikToks on the podcast before. So they have oh like a God, TikTok maybe. account. Yeah. And um, where, you know, they like play snippets of the episode um, to get people to listen and share the content. And that's like, what am I trying to say? I think they've started like a lot of discourse from it as well. And like people yeah. who don't like, I always say like, oh, I really want to read that. Like I want to wanted to read the Matthew Perry one. And then it just flies by and then there's another one. I have the Jeanette McCurdy book on my um, side table right now and I'm going to recommend another book now that I finished that. I started – sorry, I'm totally taking over your thing. But I'm, what I'm trying <laughs> to say is I've been meaning to read this book forever. So I'm actually going to sit down and read a celebrity memoir. But I want to read more. So maybe what I'm trying to say is that the podcast <laughs> is good because I can get like the info on the memoir without having to read the memoir before the moment passes me by. So thank you for recommending. <laughs> I got you, Jazz. I know what you mean. Same here. Like I listen to the podcast because I know I'm not going to read the book, but definitely mm. read Jeanette's one and tell us about it. But until then, what do you have for us to recommend this week? So you might have guessed it's a book. Um, I recommended this on Refinery29, like what we're looking forward to reading. So I kind of recommended it before I read it. Um, but I still would rec- I'm still recommending it now. So it's called As the Sun Walks Down. It's by a writer called Fiona McFarlane. And it is set in 1883 in the South Australian town of Fairley, which is like a fictional town that she's made up. 
and a six-year-old boy named Denny Wallace, which is ironic. And the father's name is Matthew Wallace, which is literally my dad's <laughs> name, spelled differently, whatever. Um, anyway, this boy goes missing during a dust storm and the whole town is looking for him. Um, there's It's from multiple perspectives, this book. So it's from this newlywed couple, um, a vicar, landowners, farmers, mothers, um, indigenous trackers, cameleers, like Afghan cameleers who came over during settlement times and um, policemen, everything. Like, so it's like every perspective of the town basically. But I sometimes struggle with books like that and like, I get mm. tired like switching, but the writing is so, so strong. I feel like I learned more about writing, reading this fiction book, wow. like as well as loving the story. Because the writing is – she's a professor of writing in, like, in New York, but she's actually an Australian woman. Um, so, yeah, it's very colonial. Um, and I kind of said to you as I was halfway through, like, oh, I just wish there was a bit more of an Indigenous perspective. There's a couple little times we get to hear from Indigenous people, for, like, straight up. But this author is white. So, you know, you then get that that debate of, like, well – we need indigenous characters, but then is it cultural appropriation to like write from that perspective, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so maybe that's why it was cut down a little bit, but, and there is racism in this book because it's like, it's set in 1883. And so like the characters are kind of speaking how, how, how you can imagine uh, opinions would have been back in those times. Um, so I would give like a trigger warning to Indigenous people. There's a lot of talk of stolen generation. Um, indigenous people are um, like maids and trackers in this book. So there's that higher like power dynamic as well. Um, but from like a, I felt like every time I picked it up, like I was getting lost in this story and like entering this world. It was like I was time traveling, which mm. I love when a book makes you feel like that. And like you just escape your own modern world for a bit and you just pick I could picture everything so easily um so yeah I couldn't put it down and it's really kick-started my reading habit again which is so so nice so that's that we recommend we love an Australian recommendation mm. that sounds great and not necessarily something I like would see you really loving either yeah. so it's so great to see that you're really immersed by you're always wanting to pick it up etc which is like such a hallmark of a great read mm-hmm. well thank you so much for listening everybody um that is all we have time for today but if you enjoyed this episode we'd really appreciate a rate and review over on spotify or apple podcasts because one it makes us feel warm and fuzzy inside and boosts our ego. <laughs> and two, it really helps other people find us and, you know, shows people that we haven't fallen off. We haven't had a good <laughs> review in 20, since 2021. Oh, my God, no, that is true. And over on Spotify, we have just clicked over to over 200 nice star reviews. So Aww. that is really lovely. Thank you, friends. Um, it would be a lovely early Christmas present if we get a few more in though no, <laughs> like thank this is guilt tripping. I know what is this thank you thank you everybody for listening I've taken the time and we will chat with you next week bye bye bye